0: Welcome back to Drinks at Work from Boothby with Sam Bygrave, that is me. I've had some time off the podcast over the last month or so as we've been gearing up for the second annual Boothby Drink of the Year Awards. That happened last week. It was an amazing night. The number one drink on the night was from Sam Thornhill at Birdie in Melbourne. Uh, You had Rob Libikins taking out the title of Bartender of the Year. If you haven't seen the full list yet, head over to boothby.com.au slash drink of the year. It's all there for you to check out now. Now, if I'm honest, I was going to have another week off the podcast, but that was until I heard last week that The Barbershop in Sydney, which I remember writing about well before it opened, uh, is celebrating his 10th birthday tonight, which kind of makes me feel a bit too old. Last week, I stopped in to see co-owner Mike Enright and talk about what the last decade has been like for The Barbershop, what he's learned over those years, and a whole bunch more. Mikey's opened a number of bars for people over the years, but The Barbershop was his first bar that he owned himself. He did that with business partner Julian Train, since then, they've opened up the Duke of Clarence, they've opened Hickson House, a bar and distillery down in the Rocks, and they've also just recently opened up a bottle shop down there as well. I caught up with Mikey at Hickson House, so you'll hear a little bit of working distillery noise in the background, but we've cleaned it up as best we can. Uh, but as I said, the barbershop is where it all started for Mikey, so let's get into my talk with him now. Mike Enright, thanks for joining me on Drinks at Work. I haven't done this podcast for a while, I was kind of like taking a... Another week off it but then i heard that the barbershop is celebrating 10 years
1: in service uh next week so i thought well, we'll probably time to get on here and talk to you about it well, how does uh, that feel well thanks for having me sam and um, it feels yeah pretty incredible really in fact i um, we actually we're gonna have the actual uh, celebratory night next week yeah so i think it it, it doesn't feel like much right now yeah um, but i'm sure when it's on the night uh, it'll be a, an interesting feeling, for sure. <laughs> an interesting feeling.
0: Or <laughs> well, you just feel tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this and I guess it's like the, I looked at the story actually that I wrote, because when you opened in 2013, before that we had a little sneak peek when I was working for Bartender magazine, I looked at the story and uh, it was talking about, you know, having the barbers out the front and all that sort of stuff, but also that you'd, you'd been working for Maryvale from 2007, I think. As a group bars manager, and this was your first go out on your own. This is kind of where it all started. Is that right? The, for what you have now.
1: And um, yeah, so um, yeah, it was completely, um, and we completely rolled the dice on it, right? Um, yeah. What's the what's the concept there? Okay. What was the idea
0: when you started? I
1: guess. Okay. Yeah. So the the idea was um, I wanted to do a gym bar. Uh, that was super important. Yeah. Um, Julian Train was my business partner. He was he was working for uh, Beam at the time. Being Suntory, so he stayed full time working for them. So, but he supported the concept and stuff like that. And we wanted to have an active barbershop in the in, in the daytime as well. So, mm. um, and kind of like uh, you know those two crafts and and um, oh, like trades, really. You know that's the way I looked at bartending and barbering. So mm. they they kind of went hand in hand for me. Yeah. Yeah, you said at the
0: time when I did the story that uh, hiring for barbers and bartenders was kind of a similar thing. You were looking for similar things from them.
1: Yeah. Um, did I find that? No. <laughs> <laughs> You're always searching, were you?
0: Yeah. Right. Well, it might be worthwhile pointing out now that the barbershop out front now yeah. is a bit more just decorative, right?
1: Yes, it is. Yeah. So we, um, you know... Like most things in business, you know, and it, 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 it isn't easy. We know that. It's like, you know, when you're a small startup, and, yeah. you know, and, and we were in a new area as well, right? Yeah. And also, to be honest, just to uh, and I'll get to the w- w- why it is, why it is now, yeah. is we were in a completely new area um, and it, it took a long time to build that business. Yeah. So um, this is on
0: York Street in the Sydney CBD, for people who don't know. Yeah, it. in Sydney. And that was before this sort of boom in small bars around there, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, before the booming small bars and before the booming barbers, right? All right. right. So okay. we we're one of the first barbers, definitely in our area. Yeah. Um, you know, sort of male grooming, that was on trend. Um, well it was starting to be on trend anyway. Mm. It was in, on trend like in London and New York. Anyway, so um, so that was so that in itself had its own challenges. Um, with with Barbering, um, you know, we actually went on to open another barbershop in Brangaroo. Mm. But then obviously COVID hit and barbers, you know, barbers barbers became barbershop owners, right? It's right. quite an easy setup. It's not it's not a massively expensive setup, setup right. a barbershop. It's unlike a small bar. You, you know, don't have
0: licensing. You don't have all the the, the waterworks you need to do. And-
1: yeah, stock and all oh, it goes on and on, you know. Yeah. Um, so we decided... To uh, and, and we, post COVID, we decided to uh, take a look at our businesses. We were building this distillery in the rocks, and we we're like, you know, why are we dabbling in this area that's become super competitive? Yeah. But we wanted to keep the bar the way it is, you yeah. know. So, so we just left it out the front. Yeah.
0: Right. Well, because it was kind of it's, it was kind of like uh, in 2013, you're coming out of this. We're probably still in this—a little bit of a speakeasy kind of uh, world of bars. But coming out of that, like you know, hard to find bars. And there was one of these first hidden bars in Sydney. You know, you, the, you couldn't see the bar from the street, right? You can only see the barbershop. shop. You had to know that there was a bar at the back.
1: Yeah, that's correct. Um, if anything, we're a bit too hidden to, to be honest to begin with. To start with, <laughs> what were those early days like? Because um, it's funny, you know, because it it takes time. To um, open a bar, my only um, from experience, my only bit of advice is to make sure that you have enough opex to right. get you through that that you know that initial runway, yeah, runaway. growth period. Um, I think that's really key to the success because you, you
0: didn't have all the things on the walls then, and like I think the, the the bones of everything was there. The beautiful bar was there. The bar top was there, but. Like the walls were quite bare and that sort of thing. From Oh that, right? yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: We I mean we completely ran out of money when we before we opened. <laughs> you just go get the doors open. We just had to open the doors. Yeah, like, you know. Um yeah, it's funny because i actually the weekend before I opened, uh, I went to Tales of the Cocktail and sat on a panel about opening bars <laughs> when I should have been in Sydney, you know opening a bar. Opening a bar. <laughs> and at the time, um for you, people that know Oxy, he, he was Will Oxenham. Will Oxenham yeah. yeah, he was the bar manager, and he was like, "Wow, you're fucking going away," <laughs> 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 and I literally went for I literally went for three nights. Wow, I was in and out and came back. But it was too much of a good opportunity for what we were doing to have the opportunity to do that. So, yeah. um, and you know, we can sweep the floors later.
0: <laughs> That's it, right? Um, describe that feeling of opening your own first bar. You'd work for Marybell, you'd open bars for them. Um, what was it like opening something of your own?
1: Um, can you remember back that far? <laughs> yeah. I'm a bit hazy. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was kind of. Um, I mean, you know, it has, it has everything, right? You know, you have the excitement. Um, you know, you know, there's going to be challenges ahead. You don't know what they're going to be. Mm. Um, if anything, you feel a bit lonely because, you know, I, I went from working for a group where I said hello to, like, you know, two or three hundred people a day. Yeah. And that was just the staff, yeah. right? Yeah. So then you go, and then, you you've you know, you've got this team of, like, eight, you know, ten max and uh, you know, and all the whinging about it is you know because you didn't have this or you didn't have that or whatever. But yeah. you didn't turn on the aircon.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you, you didn't have the, uh, yeah, yeah. the Marybell budgets either, right? No, <laughs>
1: clearly not. No, like yeah, nothing like it. Yeah. Um, but it was it was also you know quite enlightening because I kind of like you know worked for some big operators and, and for all those years throughout my career. And I was like, all of a sudden, I was kind of like my own boss, right? Mm. Uh, so I had to grow grow in a certain way as well, yeah. and learn different skills that I, that I didn't have. Yeah,
0: but I mean, you'd opened a bunch of bars before, even Maribel, right? Like, you were at Zeta Bar back in the day when that opened up and all that sort of thing, yeah. and
1: yeah. Yeah, we, we um, opened up some small ones, yeah, like um, I big, guess my big point groups, is you, you yeah. had
0: quite a bit of experience opening places
1: um, yeah. for other people. Yeah, definitely, but it was all different scales, right? Yeah. Five-star hotel, um, you know, global hotel group, Yeah. Um, Tiny, tiny, it's Thai bar called Jimmy Licks, oh, yeah. which is a, a single operator owner kind of thing. I didn't know you were involved in that. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I yeah. opened Jimmy Licks back in the day. Uh, the Loft was, which is like this huge high volume cocktail bar yeah. on the wharf. And then Merivale, which was just literally everything all in one. Yeah. But you kind of, you still don't, as a single operator, you've you, you got to do absolutely everything yourself, right? Yeah. So it was quite different. All the experience I had still... Didn't cut it to begin with, you know. Oh, I still okay. had to learn a lot more stuff. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. It was different. When, when did you first feel like
0: barbershop was going to not only really just keep making, keep the doors open, but like be the success, success that it has been?
1: Um, yeah, good, good question. I think um, I just lived and breathed it, right? Uh, you have to. It's simple as that. Yeah.
0: You know, you can't but was there like a turning point where you're like, oh, actually, this thing's going to stick around. Like, I feel
1: you can take a little bit of that anxiety down. I think um, the actual area, you know, York, Clarence, and Kent, there was like Lobo, Baxter in, Yeah. Stitch, I think, was there. Um, Yeah, Stitch was there. There's some little weird bar across the road who's really into uh, the Empire Strikes Back and Star Wars. Oh, the the, 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 the spooning goats, the spooning goats. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That went. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and other than that, I just I just remember watching the foot traffic of how it grew mm. in numbers over the course of right. know, the first few years, and then all of a sudden it was like bang, people knew where you were, Wrong. they knew what you do, they were coming for you, that kind of thing. And, yeah. and then that was the turning point where the numbers were starting to look really good and, and consistent, right? Yeah, You're well, that's consistent what you numbers. Want, right? that, yeah, it's when you don't have consistent numbers that's when you start to worry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, you can't make plans, can you? No, like, you can't. No, and, yeah. and that's the thing. You know, you, you do have a break-even point. So when you start to see that money come through, it's it's it's, it's amazing. That's <laughs> the best part. That's the best part. It, in the sense of, yeah. you, you feel. Um, I, you know, you feel secure, right? So you feel like, you know, oh, this is actually working. Yeah. Right. Okay. And and chatting to guests and stuff and getting their feedback and getting a solid team. Yeah. You know, as well. And I'm not saying they have won, won when we started, but like got like a really good team, good following the regulars. Like, you know, you just go, right. What are you make about work? Tick, 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 tick. It's working now. Yeah. So you got to take quite a few boxes.
0: Yeah. And that takes take some time.
1: It does take time, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, gin, I guess, played a big part of making the barbershop stand out. Um, among people back then, a gin bar was like a, a strange idea that you're gonna d- devote a whole whole product offering to just this one juniper kind of spirit. But nowadays it's like, well, of course you'd have a gin bar, but that wasn't the case back then.
1: But before um gin bar, when I was working for mobile, um, I talked Justin in into doing turning um, the garden bar of establishment hotel into into a gin bar. That's right, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, we kind of like we tiptoed the concept. So it wasn't like, you know, we still had like, you know, vodka cocktail, and blah, blah, blah. It wasn't all gin cocktail menu. Yeah. And um, and it was still like beer taps and everything. So but we tiptoed it and it, that was the first step. But he he, he went with it. Um, and yeah. I don't know why it is now but um but that was kind of like the first part of me having a, a look at the gin bit and saying, right, okay, will this work or not? Yeah. So we did roll the dice a little bit. Yeah. Um, But I I felt like, you know, it had legs in it. I really loved the liquid and, like, you know, there's lots of history behind it that a lot of people didn't know about as well back then. Um,
0: Well, and you look at gin now, it's this hugely, it's uh, almost more popular than vodka in a lot of places. Um, I've heard, I speak to other uh, bar owners and they say, yeah, we Vodka's, like, dropped back. It's, like, gin is the number one spirit these days.
1: and has been for a while. Yeah, I mean, you know. Is that crazy for you to think about that? Because it definitely wasn't back then. No, um, definitely wasn't, no. And people were still a bit afraid of gin. Um, Yeah. You know. Like the mother's ruin thing. Yeah, a lot of myths around it. So, which they, and also, you know, let's face it, Hendrix came out in 2011, is it? 2010? Didn't make it a little bit before, yeah. Also, oh, that? Around that, Hendrix was the first to leave with a contemporary style gin, yeah. you know, yeah. different botanicals, that kind of thing. And and the cucumber was was
0: that's it was the cucumber made that drink, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the cucumber made the drink, you know. Around one of the against, gin with the cucumber. Yeah, identifying it, yeah. you know, a, a, a clear fizzy drink, right? Yeah. With ice in it, and and yeah, and a different garnish to what would have been vodka lime soda, really back then. Yeah. Right? And then um, and then obviously. Craft, craft spirits started to happen. Craft, craft distilling started to happen. Yeah. Um, we did a little pop-up bar in Barangaroo in Sydney, which was called Gin and It. Um, I remember Gin and It. It
0: was, a, yeah. like a, was, it? It was in a like a container or something.
1: Yeah, it was in a container, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was on a, in, a, in a new area, which was called Barangaroo, and, and as to building that development, um, they wanted to put a couple of pop-up food eateries and stuff like that. Yeah. And we did the bar for that. And we went all in on the gin on that. Really, Mm. we said beer and wine, um, but we didn't. I think that it was all gin. Like you know, so that was also, you know. Then it got fairly good coverage. It it worked. It was there for like eight months. Yeah, I remember drinking the menu one night. It was great.
0: (laughs) Really good (laughs) drinks there. Great cocktails. Yeah, we had Uh,
1: Peter Dvorak. He was there. Yeah, he was there. I think John Davis Junior was there at the time too. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. You now make gin. Was that always on the plan, on the, on the cards? How did you get into the idea that you wanted to be making your own gin? Um, was it always on the cards from the, the early days of the barbershop
1: for you? It's hard to remember, I won't lie. Um, Julian, my business partner that was working for Beam Suntory, um, about five years ago, um, he finished up with Beam Suntory and came on board full-time. Um, and So we would have been discussing it prior to that. Right. And we went and looked at distilleries, um, obviously around Australia, but also overseas. We were really obsessed with distilleries. So if ever I went on holiday, I'd go to a distillery, you know, you know, and it was just like more of an obsession, really. Yeah. Um, and then just over the years, I did like, uh, I helped um, a couple of like brands make their gin, if you know what I mean. So yeah,
0: consultancy kind of thing.
1: Yeah, Like a consultancy, and one was a collab with um, with Walgen Valley, which is the Emirates Resort out in rural New South Wales. Yes, yeah. and um, so I helped them. I worked with Stone Pine uh, Distillery in Bathurst, and um, so we, we did that together. And, and so I was already doing it without realizing I was actually doing yeah, it, yeah, right. okay, wow,
0: gotcha,
1: you know. Like, even if I think back, you know, like, um, I I do the recipe for a tonic water brand in the UK. And back then, we, we were making, like, our own bitter lemon, fizzy bitter lemon, right? Yeah, gotcha. F- tonic water. So, um, <laughs> you know, so I was always really interested in going to that next level of, like, production and yeah. and kind of scale and, and trying yeah. something that was a, a bit more commercial, I suppose. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, and we're we're making our own liquid now. And I think sometimes when you just... So buried in what's going on, it's hard to, you know, smell the roses. Well, this but... is why you have
0: these sort of 10-year anniversaries of things, right? You can yeah, sort of true, go, hey, yeah. this is where it started. Yeah, good and, point. And you now... can be excited, son. Yeah, you should be excited. It's a <laughs> big deal. It's a big deal. Not a lot of venues get to 10 years, right? Um, yeah. And certainly not under the same owner often,
1: right? Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah very true. Has,
0: has there ever been a, a time where you thought about flicking the barbershop or trying to sell it to someone else? Yeah. Um... Yeah, good question. It's a I big think, smile that you just broke out across your face. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, we've, we've got a few, we've got like the Duke of Clarence now. Yeah, we've which got, is
0: next door. Yeah. Next
1: door. We've got Hickson House in the Rocks. We've opened a, um, a boutique bottle store um, in the Rocks as well. Yeah. Um, we're potentially going to work on another two, three projects. Um, so it doesn't make sense to, to flick it now. Yeah. And also, to be honest, like when it comes down to it, yeah. we've, we are our own customer, right? So yeah, we're making right. our own gin. Yeah. So we can, we can you know, as any start-up gin brand or, or distillery brand, it's like the hardest part is getting a little bit of volume to begin with. So right. before you can get in bars and box shops and blah, blah, blah. So we all of a sudden had like, you know, 20 grand's worth of gin going through the venues. Right. You know, a month. Well, yeah. Well, I guess
0: there's a synergy there, right? Yeah. So it's like way. you
1: know, yeah. without you know bastardizing the brand and having it like all hex and house hex and house hex and house. Yeah. And um, you know, we 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 played it like it was a seventy percent contract, like you'd have with a Perno or right, okay. or, a Diageo or whatever. So that's how we did it. That's cool. Um So we were able to move stock straight away um, yeah. and get exposure and liquid on lips and all that lovely stuff that they do in brand worlds, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> which you love these days, they're very good. Um, tell us you are releasing a gin for, to celebrate the anniversary of the barbershop. Uh, tell us about the, what's it called? It's the… Uh, Barber's Cut. Which I love. It's a great name for a gin.
1: Uh, randomly, we worked with a distillery many moons ago and did a Barber's Cut gin. I think it, yeah, it does ring a bell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah gotcha. So, um, and it was uh, for World Gin Day in whatever year it was. Basically, so we did, it was a very small batch. It was like, I think it was like 50 bottles, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, which seemed like quite a lot to us back then. Um, so what we've done is we've done, similar thing, we've done a batch of 100 bottles. Um, and we'll be releasing it on Wednesday night at the event. Yeah. Um, Tim, uh, myself, Gene, the bar manager and Vast group manager, yeah. have worked on it and... Um, Tim was obviously the distiller, so he goes off and does his bit, and we sit around and tasting. And go oh, a little bit more this, yeah. You less just get that. to critique him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, we settled on a recipe what we felt was a little bit reminiscent of, you know, the ten years. Uh, randomly, we used a lot of rosemary in our cocktails. Yeah, that was a real barber shop kind of thing. Yeah.
0: I think the smoke, smoke rosemary, smoke rosemary.
1: Yeah, so yeah. so that was like so that was obviously a, a, a botanical that we wanted to use. Um, and also you know we wanted to do like a London dry style yeah Jean was really keen on that um I loved our style as Jean as well we didn't want to we didn't want to turn it into an Australian native thing it was more yeah. around the barbershop and the concept of what it was right you know London barbers all that sort of stuff so yeah. you know so go back to that you know um you know go back to like you know it was like a traditional style barbershops. It's, kind of like, so, it's
0: Kind of like a bartender-y kind of gym, right?
1: Yeah, so kind yeah. of that's what it had to feel like, yeah. yeah. When we developing it.
0: Yeah. Um and so people are gonna be able to buy that as
1: well? Yes, you'll Good. be able to buy it um and on our online store at the Hickson House. Yeah. So it's the Hickson
0: House Barbers Cut Gym,
1: Yeah, Hickson House Barbers Cut Gin. and and then it will be at our cellar door so you can come in and have a tasting uh anytime from ten am Tuesday to Sunday, and then it'll be on our online store. Plus, it'll be at Barrelhouse Sellers, our liquor store. Awesome! And that's
0: what's what's the address for Barrelhouse Sellers?
1: Seventy-three George Street. There you go. You got to get the plug in, Mikey. There you
0: go. (laughs) Um, Last question for you. Then I'm sure I've got two more for you. But um, last one, what? And this is pretty much, you know, this is very much a looking back question. What what advice would you give yourself? Looking back at that, that Mikey that was there in twenty thirteen opening the barber shop, what, what, what would you say to him? Um with everything you know now?
1: Oh, I think um tough that. I would say um maybe you have an investor. <laughs> you know, you kind more of more money
0: please, yeah. You know, like
1: you, it's 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 the most, I think it's probably the most stressful part. Do, you, do you want to say how much you opened it up with or? Oh, I, you know what? I can't even remember. Yeah. Um, and it's 10 Ball years Park. ago. Ballpark. It would have cost us about 500, 450, 500. It's pretty good. Something like that. It, it,
0: I, remember, I remember you telling me about the bar top and how, because it was actually one big piece of wood, right? Yeah. The bar yeah. Top. Whereas a lot of bars... It looks like one beast, yeah. big piece of wood, but it's actually all just cheap plywood underneath. Is
1: yeah, right? no, it was solid, solid uh, yeah. Australian oak. Yeah, it's, um, just, it's very stately bar. And it's yeah. held
0: up over the over the years too.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. That is yeah. it really? Uh, you, it was a, the the carpenter was a boat boat builder. Yeah. So he was he was fully across like detail and best quality wood that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's and, solid. If you ever get the
0: chance to go, you got to. Tap it from the underside. Yeah, tap it from the feel that (laughs) wood.
1: And it also, we spent most of our investment was on that bar, right? Yeah. So we didn't have enough furniture. We had no rugs. It was like (laughs) it was all about the bar, and the the, the barber at the
0: front was beautiful too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, It
1: was beautiful, Uh, and that's evolved over time. Well, you know, up until recently, Um, we've got like. We'd have photographs of bartenders from all over the world, probably about, I don't know, actually frame photographs, 60, 70, something like that. What, what makes a great bar to you? And then more
0: importantly, what do you What do you love in a bar? What, what makes you happy in a bar?
1: Um, I think um, people are super important. You know, who you're getting served by. Yeah. Um, you know, their, their care and attention to detail, I think is really good, but not in an annoying way. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, obviously, lighting, music, drinks, drink quality. Um, yeah, I think, like, you know, they're all the key elements. How do you know when
0: you're in a good bar, like a great bar? Oh, I
1: think, uh, you know, I don't think it's necessarily around the quality of of furniture or whatever it may but It depends as well. Bars are coming, they're all different shapes and sizes, right? Yeah so i think you know it's it'd it it's a tough question actually um, you know you're in a great bar if you're going to stay there all night yeah there you go that's perfect right? i love that you know where you just decide oh, i'm not going to go and move on somewhere else i'm comfortable yeah. You know, I'm feeling comfortable. Well, I
0: have over the years, as you know, spent many a night from 4 p.m. until midnight at the barber shop. So I think you might leave it
1: there. Oh, congratulations you, on the anniversary. Thanks so much, mate. Thanks for talking. God bless. Thanks, John. Cheers. Yeah. It's a big deal, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Mikey for the chat. And thank you to you for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast, share the podcast with some friends. It really does help get the word out there. Until next time, this has been Drinks at Work from Boothby.